Santa Maria! What is going on, everybody? We are back. Episode number four of Dingers and K's. My name is Jeremy Altro, and I'm here with my one and only co-host, Jamal Roussel. Before we get into this, Jamal, what's going on? How are you doing today? I am doing great. I am no longer a little ball of hate. You're no longer a little ball of hate. Um, for those who don't know, Jamal is usually full of energy and very happy and outgoing. But unfortunately, today just wasn't his day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... He's here. We are in the Sports Bump studio. Remember, every episode of Dingers and K's is brought to you by Sports Bumps. You can always find them at sportsbump.com. You can find all of our episodes. You can find Brother on Baseball, Jamal's blog. Just go on it. Trust me, you'll have a good time over there. Plenty of other good um, content. Jamal, we start our episode off with a little segment we call Dingers and K's, our favorite ones of the past week. Yep. Unfortunately, we have an issue with your strikeout of the week. Our, my K of the week, I'm just going to call this one NBC is killing my joy. I like it. Okay. Uh, what's going on? So break this down to me. My strikeout of the week had happened in the Olympics, actually. So good luck trying to find that anywhere unless you were watching the game at you know whatever time in the morning. Thank you. If you have Peacock, you can catch it later on. Yeah. Peacock. All right. There you go. So there you subscribe go. to go watch you know minor leaguers and washed up big leaguers. But you know, if that's what you want to do with your money, hey, I like to talk. <laughs> But anyway, so we have uh, Kodai Singa. He's a pitcher with the Japanese team, and he throws one of the best fork balls you're going to see, which, I mean, if you're familiar with Japanese baseball, you know the fork ball split finger. It's a common pitch there. Well, he's got a really good one. And our poor soul, I'm just going to call him number 10 because, again, Olympic baseball, good luck. I can tell you Todd Frazier's on the team. Matt Kemp was there. But, yeah, poor number 10 gets a splitter that looked like a strike. It wasn't a strike, and the ball just kind of vanished on him. I was watching him. I've been watching clips of him since you brought it up to me. Throws this fork ball. They call it the ghost fork ball. Yes. Because one minute you see it, next minute it's gone. Blink of an eye. Right. Absolutely devastating. It looks like it goes in towards righties, away from lefties, correct? Right. How you pronate your wrist a little bit, throwing it. Yeah, it's going to give it a little down and into the right-handers. Yeah, definitely dirty. Um, You and I are kind of talking about Olympic baseball. Um, How did that game finish out? Uh, the game finished out with the Japanese winning, and it was an example of basically a Japanese style of baseball versus American style of baseball where we went to extras. You put some extra runners out there. We couldn't get a runner over to get a runner in. They were able to get a bunt down with their because they started off first and second. They got their bunt down, and they got their runner in, and they win. So it's just you know different styles of play, but the American style came back to really bite us at the end of the game. Are we in contention for any kind of medal here? Yes, we are still in it. We're not out of gold medal contention, but it just makes it way harder Mm -hmm. because now we're going to have to win like two games to get to the gold medal game where the Japanese now basically only have to win one. They have to beat South Korea and they're in it. We have to play the winner of Israel and the Dominican Republic. And then assuming we can get through that game, then you'd have to get through the other, like basically your say South Korea mm-hmm. versus, you know, the, they have to get through that game too to play the other, the, the loser of the that. The loser of another game. Right. 
So tough road, definitely. Mentioned a couple of notable names. Matt Camp was there. Yeah, Matt Camp, Todd Frazier was on the team. Uh, the interesting name for me was Shane Boss because he's an actual real prospect with the Rays. I was, was going to say, isn't he a pitcher? Yeah, he's a pitcher, believer, right? R- yeah, right-handed pitcher. He's mm-hmm. an ag- actual viable prospect, which if these Olympics get done here next week, he could be in the big leagues. Like, in a couple weeks. Yeah, in a couple weeks. Give him a little R&R to come back, and then he could be on the Rays pitching for them. So Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, in the Olympics right now, any other notable names that maybe we should be on the lookout for? Uh, keep an eye out um, because, like, in this game, like, Tristan Casas hit a home run. Okay. He's a legitimate prospect for the Red Sox. A legit, you know, he's been in camp and, you know, he's had some decent springs. Mm-hmm. They might give him a look, but, you know, we'll see. Okay. Definitely something to look forward to. So, my K of the week, a little bit different. Something that we're really going to be talking about here today. Recap from the trade deadline, right? A lot of big moves happen. A lot of blockbusters, as they would like to call them. Some bigger than others. Some maybe helps win a title a little bit more than others. Fingers crossed. But this one right here is actually Jose Barrios makes his debut for the Toronto Blue Jays. If you haven't seen the trade, don't worry. We're going to recap it and give you all the information that you need about it. Um, Second inning, he's pitching well. Coming off, I believe, off a double play. Broken bat right back at him. Next guy gets him in a 2-0-0-2 hole. And absolutely wipes him out with a dirty curve. Nice, simple, got it. The curveball, first K as a Blue Jay, showing what he's going to go hopefully do for them. If I'm not mistaken, it was six innings, seven Ks. Yeah. A run or two. I think it was one run. One run, one walk. Yeah. Showed what they traded for. Just what they needed, because it's going to be good for Toronto. And again, we don't want to mess up the trade talk, but it'll be useful for the Blue Jays because it gives them a right-hander to split up Ryu and Robbie Ray at the top of the rotation. Unfortunately, are you, well, not unfortunate, but are you trying to tell me Ross Stripling is not as good as Jose Barrios? Yeah, not quite. Ugh. All right, fine. I'll get down to you, but we're going to go ahead. Favorite homer, favorite dinger of the week. Jamal, what do we got for me? All right, my favorite homer of the week. It It's more in honor of the player and what I believe are their Hall of Fame credentials because, again, who is he oh. touching up? He's touching up my guys in Queens. You know, dingers mm-hmm. and K's, it seems like I can find a Met and get the Mets involved with this anytime. You found a, you've done a great <laughs> job. You've done an absolutely great job of getting the Mets in at some point. Yeah, so this one is uh, Joey Votto to hit home run off of Drew Smith for his uh, seventh home run game in a row. Votto hammers it. Center field. Brandon Nimmo back. Oh, Brandon Nimmo. Seven consecutive games. And that's not even to mention what happens the next day. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. He almost went for eight, literally missed it by like a foot. Yeah, he almost did. It's yeah. the longest single I've probably ever <laughs> seen in my life. Um, if he hit eight, he breaks the record, right? He ties it. Oh, he would have tied it. So yeah. just one short, obviously creating Red's history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's Red's history, yeah. Red's history, probably NL history. It would be NL history also. NL history right there. Um, you kind of mentioned Hall of Fame. Yes. I know we're not there in the in the season of Hall of Fame stretches where we talk about potential Hall of Famers at some point. Um, Joey Votto to you is a Hall of Famer? Yeah. If you given given the the context of his era in which he's playing, mm-hmm. he absolutely is a Hall of Famer. Did we have a conversation about this on Twitter? We I don't believe so. I think I may have saw it asking, is he? And I think I believe I said he's to me, if I were to do the way the Hall of Fame in my head is kind of supposed to be. He's Hall of Great, not Hall of Fame. But I think with the more analytical approach that we're taking in voting, 
these numbers, you're able to dig dot or dive deeper. And some guys are going to look a lot better than others at the end of the day. Right. That's what I was saying with the era and the context in which he's playing. Because mm-hmm. in this era and how the players are judged from this era, I believe makes that's what's going to make him a Hall of Fame player at the end of the day. Because he's going to finish up with like 280 average and almost 3,000 hits, if I'm not mistaken. He'll get close. Because, I mean, he's not done and obviously having like a resurgent year because it looked like he was done basically coming into the year. But if he can kind of, you know, just give us a couple more years, let's say he can push it out to 40, then it could just be – you end up with the raw, some raw counting stats to get you there anyway. De- yeah, definitely possible. Um, I was trying to see his home run total. Uh, he's at 316 career, 303 career average, 1,900 hits right now. He's almost right. to 2,000. He's 16 hits away from 2,000 hits. Right. So he's going to have a, at he, the end of it. He's a similar player to Bill Buckner. Mm-hmm, okay. Similar. I mean, Buckner Just doesn't has let more the hits. ball through the legs. Yeah, there's that, but that was a good Met moment. <laughs> but anyway, but no, it he he's going to be similar. But again, you have to look at his error, and you're looking like at his on base percentage, the walks, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That to me is what's going to be a separator for him in this era in the context in which I, we're looking. I was going to say his walk ratio, or not walk ratio, but his walk stats is what's going to really elevate him because I feel like he's kind of one of the first guys that we really notice like. This guy's on base is like at 400 clip. This guy walks at an amazing rate. Before you heard Bonds, but you didn't really hear in between. Well, Bonds, for me was, personally. Well, Bonds was different because the walks were just purely intentional. It was yeah. You know, I just don't want to face. We're just you. not dealing with you. Rivado's up there with with really great plate discipline mm-hmm. and you know putting it bats together, and he was still you know managed to be productive, not just walking. Because, I mean, we've all seen the, the the shortstop who hits, you know, 230 but can walk a fair bit and stick his elbow out and get hit. Yeah. But Votto can actually still do damage when he swings the bat and still maintain, you know, the walk rate. And, he, you know, if anything, you could say his numbers were also hurt by the walk rate. The one kind of, if you want to be like an old school kind of negative about mm-hmm. him, because he wouldn't go out of the strike zone where he could have had more RBIs, maybe more homers, more hits, he would simply take his walk. I'll just take my walk. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, before we move on to my dingers. I just wanted to say, so he has a career 32.4 war. The average Hall of Famer is at 66.9. Out of a seven-year peak, he's 46.9. The average Hall of Famer is at 42.7. Um, his jaws is 54.6. The Hall of Famer is 54.8. Lastly, his war for every 162, five and a half to five. So he's definitely got a case right there. Right. You're looking at those numbers. So who knows? You may have been the one that called it. We'll see. We'll see. So we're going to go ahead and carry over to my dingers of the week. Did you notice I said dingers? Yes, I S did. With an S. Plural. This one is going to have multiple. It's a little lengthier. Um, again, we're going to get into these trade topics. So let me just go ahead and start this for you. Let me kind of break this down here. So that first one you're hearing right now is a new first baseman for the New York Yankees. See ya. His first Yankee home run, and it gives the Yankees a Anthony Rizzo, which I felt was a great trade. Second one is your new man, yep. Javier Baez, hitting a, I think it was a two-run shot. Yeah. There it is. And lastly, let's see if we get to it. That crack of the bat is Chris Bryant's first home run with that ugly orange team up north. Chris Bryant in his first game as a Giant, has hit a home run for the Giants. So, what you'll notice there, if you listen to the context of those um, calls, uh, every former Cub there had a, hit their first home run, home run with their the new team game, right. in the first game. 
And I think they all actually let off with the strikeout too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I thought that was a little funny too, but those are my dingers of the week. Um, we're going to get into trade talks. I will definitely get into those, but I just felt it was kind of interesting because when was the last time you saw a trio of teammates traded and hit their first home run in their first game for their new squad? When have you ever seen it? It's never happened before. Exactly. <laughs> That's why it made this segment. So moving over. Some big news happened this week out in the NL West. Fernando Tatis once again hurts his shoulder on a slide. To s- it was a slide home, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Just absolutely jacked it up. Got to try to get the hand in there. Right. Dislocated the shoulder again. Where do we go from here? I know we, we were like at an all-time high. And now we're like at a low right now because we're talking about injuries. But where do the Padres go from here? Uh, for me, it's a tough situation for the San Diego Padres in as much as you know, this is your, your franchise guy that you're building around. But to me, I think you have to shut it down for Fernando and just call it a season because to me, especially given when we get to the trades, you didn't get the player you, one, thought you had and two, you needed. You're not beating the Dodgers. You're not beating the Giants. You weren't going to win the World Series anyway. Get the player healthy and you're going to give it a run in 2022, not keep compromising the guy and you're kind of just delaying the inevitable at that point. I, I think they definitely are. Eventually surgery is going to have to happen here. As we all know, with the dislocated shoulder, easier and easier to pop out until you kind of get it repaired. Timetables, I guess you can say, if he has that at the end of the season, when would he come back? It's usually it, it's like a three, four month. Right. It's a three, four month recovery thing. process. Right. Three, four month thing. So if you do it now, he's ready, you know, back working out. You by, should be there by spring training. Yeah, exactly. By Christmas, he'll be back kind of working out and going, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, you know, I get it. If you're the Padres, you've kind of built a little bit for this season. You want to see it come as a platform year into, you know, your contention window. But you have to look at, again, the player's long-term health. This isn't one of those. This isn't like a, you know, a backup second baseman or something where mm-hmm. you can kind of take get him by. or leave him. This is your, again, this is your franchise, your building block. You're building around this guy. Yeah, um, definitely. So I was trying to do the n- numbers in my head. Four months, if you finish in October, finishing up around February recovery, and right. then right. you're barely getting into baseball during spring training. Right, pitchers and catchers report in the middle of February. Yeah, so you, so. Don't, you don't need him just kind of rounding back into baseball you know, activities around that time. You want to give him as much lead time as you can to get him back, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat into baseball activities. Obviously, it's not the same thing as being in like a real baseball environment, but there's no point in messing up essentially two seasons because I think this season, if he doesn't play, they're done. And then you would just be leaking over into next year, not having him ready to go at the start. And you could sit mm-hmm. yourself behind the eight ball in April. All of a sudden, I, five that's what I was going to say. Um, with the way that this Dodger team is built, the way that the Giants are playing, I don't know if it carries over into next year. Like you said, you're five, six, seven games behind already because you have a slow April. When it comes to October, you're probably not going to be there because that's going to be a lot of ground to catch up throughout the season. Plus, you're going to have your normal slumps that a team already has. Right. So I get the idea of doing the surgery now. Get out the way. We're going to go 100% next year. Next year, we'll have Lamette back, Clevenger back. Hopefully, Snell doesn't smell, and you kind of go from there. Darvish maybe gets back to normal. Right. You get Darvish, Musgrove, and now the team's looking. Again, as I've told you, you know, I told you guys this earlier way back when. I said I didn't believe in the Padres this year. I said 2022 is the year mm-hmm. that I was really looking at them to really kind of challenge the Dodgers in the West. No, I think you got it there. Um, just to play a kind of devil's advocate on it, what are you telling to the team by shutting down Fernando or to the fan base? 
Um, it's going to be understandable because you saw him get hurt. I mean, people witnessed him on the field. <laughs> so it's not one of those, you know, we could didn't know he was hurt and all of a sudden, or it's like an innings limit thing for a pitcher. This isn't that. This is a playing injury. He's got hurt this way earlier this year. He missed time for the mm-hmm. exact same thing. Just take him off the field. Get him healthy. Well, we'll hope the fan base can kind of get there. Remember, Padres, I don't want to be mean about it, but a lot of newer fans that want to see him kind of continue the success that they've kind of built a year and a half ago, right? Is a year and a half ago during yeah. that 60-game season. Right. They kind yeah. of started Slam right. Diego and got right. San Diego was popping, rocking, and rolling. Um, I think to put a whole halt on it be a little tough for the fan base, but I think you are right at the end of the day. You're looking towards the future, and you're really trying to win a World Series. Call it a season for him. And maybe even the team rallies around this injury. Guys start playing better than they're supposed to. So on and so forth. And you make a deep push. Yeah, because again, I think where they're at positionally, I think they can probably stay in the playoff hunt and probably make you know make it in there as a second wild card anyway. So you still do get the one game. But again, if you're thinking about this realistically, just being, you know, just assuming. 100% the, real. Yeah, the season ended today. You're looking at a wild card game against the Dodgers. In Los Angeles, looking at Walker Bueller or Max Scherzer pitching against you, you're going to have a problem winning that game anyway. So why would you set yourself back again, potentially messing up next year for a game that you're unlikely to win anyway? anyways? I think you kind of said it right there. I think that kind of, to me, it makes the most sense. But again, I'm not down there in San Diego. Unfortunately, not yet. They haven't gotten me into that front office to start making some big decisions. Okay, I'll talk to AJ Preller, see what we can do. Let him know I'm available, I'm ready to go. Um, I got multiple degrees, so I'll be ready. And I got a little baseball one next to my other degrees. There you go. Moving over, we created a segment together that we called the judgment call. We thought about it, we took our own judgment call and said, scratch. That's not the right name for it. It's not giving us the meaning we want behind it. Right. Verify. To say, right? So we wanted to go ahead and reintroduce this conversation or this segment. It's a rebrand, kind of like the Guardians. There you go, which are in trouble, by the way. Yep. Roller, the roller derby roller team. Derby. Yeah. I, Who nobody check googled. Yeah, nobody googled it and tried to figure it out. But um, our new segment, the rebranding, fair or foul. So we're gonna bring up a question. You're gonna say your piece, fair or foul, on the item. And the decision or the question or whatever it might be. Okay. So today's fair or foul. Kind of goes with a piece of news that broke this past week. Um, regarding, once again, those little steroids. Yeah. Steroid issue that's in baseball um, or was in baseball. It still not is. A, it still it's still exists. It's still there. It's still yeah. there. But I would say not on as, bigger, not as big of a scale. It's not as prevalent as it used to be, but it still exists. Okay. Fair enough. So one, I just want to give them the shout out. Catcher Sebi Savala for the White Sox, three home runs. I got misinformation. I was like, dude hits three home runs, gets popped for PDs the next day. I totally botched the article I read. He was previously popped for those PEDs during the biogenesis scandal. But wait, we have a new guy. But there's a new guy to talk about. Yes, there's a new guy. Um, This man has created history already this year. Pitching... For the Seattle Mariners, he was the first person to get a suspension for having foreign substance on the glove. Yep. And uh, using it in the game and being ejected for it. Yep. He is also going to be the next 
in line of uh, on the PED scandals, Hector Santiago popped for 80 games. Yes, for external testosterone. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that is... You're just shooting yourself up with extra testosterone. Just something that you would have done <laughs> basically Cold War Olympic kind of stuff. This is, again, this is laziest of lazy. Because they're going to just check. I mean, you could check any person's T levels. And a normal male is going to have a certain level. And if you're outside of that, it's you. we can tell you were taking steroids. <laughs> um, so you and I were going to talk about it. And you kind of said... Oh my gosh, this is like the laziest way you could have did it. You didn't even try to mask it like no. other people in the past have done and done successfully. You just said, don't worry, nobody's going to catch me anyways. I don't look... Do you think his appearance has anything to do with it? Like if you look like a muscular, like Derek Dietrich kind of guy, you're more likely to get uh, you those might, you, Yeah, you might catch you know some looks. And again, he's not the hardest thrower, so it's not like he's throwing 102... You know, like an Aroldis Chapman guy, which if you see like Aroldis Chapman with his shirt off, you say, okay, you've seen your way around a gym. But, you know, Santiago's not that guy. But I do think, you know, you never can tell with people. Because it could be, I'm doing all this just to even throw the 90 I throw. And apparently that's what's happening here. <laughs> um, so, my Farrah question. Do PEDs have a place within the game, within the Hall of Fame? I'm sorry. Do the PEDs players have a place in the Hall of Fame? Okay, so... Fair or foul? Okay, so let me be careful with my answer. Okay, so PED, if you're... So for me, if you're suspended for it, mm -hmm. no. You, you've broken a rule. Okay. If you were suspected of using it, even if two people would just... All you got to do is look at them with just two eyes. You can tell this person did something unnatural. You weren't suspended. Technically, you have not broken a rule. You should be in good standing. Go ahead, put them in. Mm -hmm. So... Let's bring in some names. Okay. Alex Rodriguez, in or out? Out, because he was suspended for it. Do you think him being suspended 10 years later has anything to do with it, though? Like, oh, that no, happened no, in 03, no, no, right? No, 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 no. The whole Alex saga, come on, he took the league to court, for goodness sake. <laughs> Heck, he got the, the suspension reduced from 216 games to get the 162 he got. Mm -hmm. So, no, he, no, sorry. So, no Alex. Nope, he'd get buying Bole in the Dominican Republic. That's what he had his cousin down there buying for him. No. All right. Roger Clemens. Yes. Even though he went to court, you know, and you know, he went to Congress and everything else, was he ever actually suspended for PEDs? No. No. All right. The big one that always gets brought up is an easy one, Barry Bonds. Same thing. You went before a grand jury. You didn't knowingly ingest any steroids. You thought it was flaxseed oil. Okay, likely story. But was he ever suspended? No. No. Mark McGuire. Same thing. Were you ever suspended for so it? So as long as there's no suspension and you kind of doesn't make this big, right. I guess, spectacle of it, I guess you can well, say. Well, no, you can make the spectacle all you want, but were you ever actually suspended? So did you officially break any rules mm. of the sport? No, you can't say officially I cheated if I never broke a rule. So Rafael Palmero flunked a drug test. Yeah, okay, know, yeah. so no, you don't make it. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas other guys, there's guys in the Hall of Fame right now who are suspected, but they're just likable they guys. So as in uh, the guy that went in as a Met, yeah. So you could say Piazza. I got questions about Jeff Bagwell. There's mm -hmm. a few guys. I no, have there's definitely questions, questions out about. there. Um, what do you feel like on an Andy Pettit situation? Uh, is he going to make it? I'm. I have doubts about Pettit making it just on his own athletic achievement. Yeah, that's what I was meant. But but let's just let's just on say, his instance, I would say same thing. It's okay, Andy. Were you suspended for it? Why, yes, you were. So, therefore, you're apologizing. You're sorry, but you're not going to the Hall of Fame. 
with that thought process, if you have gone out and broken rules and kind of got the, it was okay to break the rule type of thing, do you think that kind of player should be in? The okay, It was okay to break the rules? So everybody knows you broke the rules. Yeah. But we're going to say, you know what? No punishment for you. But we all acknowledge what you did. Okay. Do those kind of players, do you think, would make it later on? I Again, I, if you're going to let one guy in, so let's just say you put in Manny Ramirez. Okay. Another person, again, suspended for steroids. He, that's what got him off the Dodgers, if you do recall. Yeah, I do recall that one. So Hit like six home runs after that. <laughs> Couldn't hit anymore. So if, you're, if he gets in, let's say, then fine. Just put everybody in. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod, all you guys, we're good to go now. We, we've broken the seal there. We're just putting you guys in. You just got to get the one. Yeah, you just got to get the one. Or it would be interesting if a guy who was already in there Announces. admitted he did it. So if all of a sudden next week Mike Piazza says, oh, yeah, I was on that stuff the whole time I was on the Dodgers. Well, you're not going to take him out of the Hall of Fame. He's already in. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you just kind of have to say the thing's kind of a, a farce and a sham, which I kind of think it is anyway because, I mean, if I'm a baseball writer voting on this, I cover these teams, I cover these players, I'm here every day, and it didn't dawn on me that this person was taking something, then I'm a horrible reporter. <laughs> um, so the last little segment, uh, not the segment, but the last little question I brought to you was uh, actually not about the steroids, but actually something that's going on right now. Um, rematch going on in downtown LA as we speak. Yep. Houston Astros, Los Angeles Dodgers. At the end of his career, let's say Jose Altuve, the numbers say that they should make it. Do you think he still gets in, or does he get the knock for the 2017 scandal? Oh, he gets in. He absolutely gets in. Because, again, did he officially, what did Jose do? And Because, again, whatever testimony, if you want to use the word, did he provide to the commissioner's office? Well, they know. That's under lock and key. The baseball writers aren't going to get that. We, the public, can have ideas what we think he was doing. Yeah. But officially, what's the official? The official verdict, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Or something happened, but we're not saying who was doing what. Mm -hmm. So it's never going to get really leaked out unless, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know, uh, Mike Fires decides to write his tell-all book. That would be great. (laughs) I would absolutely love that one, I think. You know, I could see him because I don't know. Again, this is before your time. It's even before my time, but it's a seminal baseball book, uh, Ball Four by Jim Bouton. He was the first guy kind of writing a tell-all book from his time back in the with being on the Yankees back in the day, playing okay. with Mickey Mantle and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he was the first guy doing it, and it kind of he got ostracized for it. However, oh, you know what? I've heard of it. Yes, yeah. I've so heard of it. if let's just say Fires has an axe to grind, and again, you know, he's just been a successful pitcher, but I don't know if it's you know, you know, he's going to be having his family set up for the next ten generations or anything, given whatever he's earned playing baseball. Nothing stopping him from going to find a good publisher once all said and done. Mm-hmm. He might say, look, I'm not working in baseball again anyway from what I've already said. So, okay, all's fair you game. Put Here it all go. out there. Here it is. Make a couple more million probably off of that. Mm-hmm, because that could change the perception of Altuve, Correa, and Bregman or any of them. Because then it'll be, oh, no, this is what they actually knew. Now, the person I do wonder about in terms of their Hall of Fame credentials, whatnot, Beltran? is Beltran. Because prior to all this, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. Nobody even thinks about it. Yeah. But now he gets tainted by all this stuff. What does that do to his overall legacy? Does he have the three thousand hits? Uh, he does not. Okay. I think the thing that would kind of save him regarding this situation would be it was like his last year playing. 
Right. It was his last year plan. But again, you're a veteran leader and you've been on other clubs and it's okay. Was he doing this other places too? Or what Mm -hmm. was going on other places? So that calls everything into question at that point, because like, okay, you got here, you're the ring leader with this, you know, you, Alex Cora, allegedly, I still Mm -hmm. kind of feel that they're kind of being set up as the fall guys in this whole thing, but possible, very possible. Yeah. You know, I, and I got theories as to why, but We'll save that for another day. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but I just do think that they're being kind of set up as a fall guy for it. And so I just feel because you're scapegoating them, but I do have to question everything that's gone on with him. Was he doing something same when he was on the Mets, when he was on the Royals? Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, okay, it wasn't a trash can. Maybe it was something else. Yeah. You know, you just don't know. Because, again, if you're, quote, cheating – that's part of your character. You're always looking for a different way to do it. It's not like he just thought of it in 2017 and said, oh, wow, this is an idea. It's you. This is just the latest thing to do. Yeah. Um, on the core situation, I've had talks with people that played with them, and they've all said that that dude's eye for like being able to pick up signs right. is like ridiculous. Like he can, He's actually already very good at it. Right. So to give him any kind of a boost, it'd be like unprecedented. Like it would just be amazing what he would figure out right away. Right, exactly. You know, Beltran's been around the game a long time, too. I'm sure he's good at it yeah. also. So you're putting them together in a lab, and then you're giving them video evidence of mm-hmm. it in real time. This is, again, good luck, you, Darvish, Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, and the rest. Poor Kershaw, man. I think that's what hurts me the most, that his uh, legacy was a little hurt by it. Yeah, it, it did and tarnish Darvish it. Darvish is, like, unwelcomed here in L.A., even though it's not 100% Darvish. Was he pitched? Tipping at home, I think he was in Game Seven. He was tipping before that. I believe you and I have talked about right. it. They were already, he they was already tipping in like Texas, Arizona before they got him. The the Astros had played against against him when he was on the Rangers yeah. still, and they knew they had him then. They had him figured out then. Yeah. Um, so let's move over. So your official statement was foul. foul. PEDs do not belong in the hall. Uh, yes. All right. I'm gonna say we don't have to get all into it. We can always do it another day, but. To me, I think there's a little fair part for me. Maybe they can have their own section where, hey, these players are known to do this, but they were great through their time, yada, yada, yada. Now, I would say, again, I'm putting them in there, but you didn't ask me about the plaque. What would it say? Oh. I would put it on their plaque. Okay, so you just put steroid user or right. can, asterisk yeah, next to it. I would put he missed, he missed this many games or this season due to Breaking, you know, the, the mm. rule for performance enhancing drugs. It's right there for forever and never. Yeah. Everybody gets to see it. Daddy, daddy, what are performance enhancing drugs? You can explain it. There you go. Okay, I like that. I think that might work for me. I think that might work for me. Today is August 4th. You and I were in here on the 30th, I believe it was. No, we were in here on the 28th. Okay, we were in here July 28th. Already talking about some big trades already that happened. Stalia Marte. Yeah, Joey Gallo was that. Um, Joey day. Gallo, like, while we were recording, yeah, basically. Yeah, Joey Gallo moved over the same day. Anthony Rizzo moved over. I think the next day. Yeah. Let's get into this, man. We have okay. so many trades that I think are going to play a different role in this playoffs this year, on the playoff hunt, so on and so forth, future, whatever you want to call it. Sound good? It sounds good to me. All right, where to start? You want to start with the last deal that made it through the. Um, the 12 o'clock deadline. Oh, it wasn't 12, it was, it was 6 o'clock? It's uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, so 1 o'clock our time. There it is. That 4 p.m. deadline, last year that went in. Chris Bryant got picked up by the San Francisco Giants. Um, overall, to me, great move. How did you view this move, and was this something you were kind of suspecting? 
Uh, I did suspect it in as much as because this was it was there's kind of a, a domino effect. So this particular deal, because the Giants were talking, you know, to the Cubs about Bryant, obviously, because they're looking at their third base uh, situation because Evan Longoria has been hurt. So they needed a third baseman. And obviously, Bryant's additional flexibility to be able to play the outfield, that adds an, another wrinkle, you know, because the Giants are kind of running like the Dodgers, Rays, and moving people around. They're doing something similar. But what happened with, to me was the Baez deal influenced the Bryant deal mm -hmm. because the Mets were hot and heavy for Bryant going back to la the last winter meetings. But once J.D. Davis came back to the Mets and he's been performing reasonably well with the bat – Third base became less of a need, and Luis Guillorme got hurt on the Mets basically that day. And um, Francisco Lindor has been on the DL for a couple of weeks, so you need, A, a shortstop now, and then you're going to need somebody who can play second base once Lindor returns. So Baez becomes a lot more attractive to New York, but I'll get we'll get back to him. But in terms of Bryant, once the Mets shifted over to Baez, that left Bryant as the last guy kind of standing and so it kind of fell in the Giants' lap. So it solved a problem for the Giants. They get the third baseman they need. And then, like I said, the Mets made the deal they needed to make in order to shore up their infield. Yeah, and in that deal, I believe the Cubs picked up two top 30 prospects from the Giants. Yeah, they're top 30s, but they're really they're far, not, they're far away. Yeah, this they're, is not— They weren't top 100 in the league. No, they were top no. 30 in the Giants organization. I just want right. to reiterate right. that. Um right. Like you said, though, they are kind of far away. Right. Um, you already hit it. Let's talk about it. Okay, Your Mets so, made the Javi Baez move. Right. So the Mets, when they acquired Javi Baez and they threw in Trevor Williams, which, you know, again. Just uh, a body. It's it's a body. He's a pitcher, so you need him. And this particular deal isn't a deal that a Met fan is necessarily going to be ecstatic about in as much as also on the same day, because, again, you know, as things leak out. The Mets had found out two hours prior to the deadline about the injury to Jacob mm -hmm. deGrom. So you need something better than Trevor Williams coming back in this deal, even in this deal, or you go make another one to get an actual viable starting pitcher. So to me, if you're already talking to the Cubs, okay, talk to them and say, hey, give me Kyle Hendrick then. Just throw that in the deal. They had discussed, you know, maybe trying to do like a, like a Zach Davies type thing. Mm -hmm. Fine. Give me somebody better than that but i get why it didn't happen um obviously it would have cost them another prospect later on probably it would have been another lower level piece because the prospect they gave him is pete crow armstrong the mets first round pick in 2020 mm -hmm. he he's one of the few legitimate top 100 type prospects that got dealt on the deadline or around the deadline so the teams did a pretty good job of holding on to their prospect capital but the receiving teams kind of know these are like especially the Cubs these guys are basically all rentals Kimbrell's about the only guy of the deals that they made that the guys you know can be back on the team next year that's why the White Sox had to give up a little more to get Kimbrell in there but to back to just to keep it to the Baez deal the Mets gave up a better prospect in Pete Crow Armstrong because the Cubs are paying Baez to be on the Mets mm -hmm. which again me Met fan I find that a little bizarre because um Mr. Cohen has plenty of money. Plenty of money over there. So why are you doing something that the Wilpons would do, trying to make a cut rate deal to save someone some salary? Mm -hmm. you know, I know it keeps them below the competitive balance tax, but you could have been on below that even paying bias. So questions from the Mets side, but I understand why you made the deal. And also the player in Pete Crow Armstrong projects to be more good, not great. 
more of a glove first center fielder, mm-hmm. you know, with some, which deep- the Mets have had plenty of, I would say in the past few years. Right. To me, he projects to be similar to Brandon Nemo, but okay. a better defender because mm-hmm. he has more speed than Nemo does a little bit better defender, but Nemo has more power. Okay. So, but it's a similar type player getting on base, working walks, you know, good bat to ball skills, that kind of thing. And was he a college guy? No, he was a high school guy out, out of Harvard. High school, so a little bit tougher to even project at this point. Right. He needs hurt now. He hurt his shoulder. He hasn't played basically all year. All right. So there's four deals that we got to hit for the Cubs. Oh, yep. Let's just continue rolling on. New York Yankees make a splash deal, in my opinion, to get Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. I know we talked about it. I think we may have mentioned it last time. I'm not positive if we hit it or not, but they're sending over Alexander Vizcaino and Kevin Alcantara. Both minor leagues guys, I don't think they were even in their top. They're not. They're not their top prospects. No. They're not in their top 30, if I'm not no. mistaken. Um, to me, it was a little surprising. Sounded like Rizzo was willing to stay and kind of go down with the ship. Yeah, he was. He did want to stay in Chicago, which also makes me think he might just go back. Resign. Yeah. Um, I like the deal. Uh, we talked about Gallup possibly playing some first, uh, getting maybe Odor out the lineup, getting Gardner out the lineup, depending on how they fixed it or played it out, right? Right. Um, with this deal, Rizzo's your new gold glove first baseman, right? Yeah, he's going to be your first baseman. That moves Gallo's not going to be outfielder playing first. 100%. He's outfielder now, right? Outfielder 100%. Um, the thing that I liked for Rizzo here, one, you got the short porch already. That's right. already a big plus. The second thing was his approach to baseball, his approach to hitting. I really enjoy his two-strike approach. Yeah, the choking up. Chokes up, up on the plate. Just let me put the ball in contact. You're not going to get me down on strikes. Right. Um, something that I really enjoy watching. And I feel if things work out, maybe, just maybe, that approach kind of lingers to Gallo. And we could really see the best Gallo that mm-hmm. we've yet to see. That would be an interesting. It's an interesting idea. I'm not disagreeing with mm-hmm. it. I just kind of like, okay, well, Gallo kind of is what and he I, is. I think he might be what he is, what he is. But I feel like for me, again, Rizzo is one of those veteran presences. Where if he's telling you something, maybe you should absorb it because this guy's been doing it for a very long time already. Yeah. Now the one thing I will say again, I'm you know giving credence to what you're saying is they're both left-handed power hitters, so they're going to get pitched similarly. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not necessarily going to be coming in off the plate with Gal because Gal they're where they're at in the box and there's certain things with their setup and approach, but you're going to attack these guys kind of the same way. And again, with Yankee Stadium, we're not trying to necessarily be coming inside on on either guy to have them spinning on fastballs, hitting them over the short porch. So both guys can kind of take from each other in that way. And yeah, I do think that there's something to be said also from Rizzo in terms of teaching the clubhouse, in terms of general leadership, because that's mm-hmm. something I do think the Yankees have lacked. Yeah, I think Gardner's supposed to be their quote-unquote kind of leader presence. And for me, maybe a little too old school for these guys. Well, he's I think he's just a little too old in terms of, because now how can I tell Stanton and Judge anything? Because my level of production on the field doesn't, never the it doesn't warrant that type of respect yeah. where if I'm Anthony Rizzo coming in, it's like, no man, I'm an all-star 30, World 40 home run guy. Yep. Just the same as you guys are. So you're going to listen to what I say. Yeah. And I have a world series ring sitting here. How many do you guys have? Literally that whole team has none. Maybe Gardner has I think the Gardner one. Gardner has the one. 9 one. Yeah. So to me, I just think, I think it's an even bigger pickup in that clubhouse for me. Right. right. I can agree. Just a note on the stances and approach that you were talking about. Uh, I was kind of watching some clips on Gallo and Rizzo, and I was watching MLB Network on it. The biggest difference is where their back foot kind of is. Mm-hmm. Like Gallo's more further away from the plate, right? And I think he also leads like in opposite field home runs. Yeah. 
So he's able to get to that outside pitch already, and he's willing to drive it. Right, but he's diving kind of to do it. Yes, exactly. Right. And the difference with Rizzo is that I think they said it 2018, this dude was getting pounded, just pounded outside, and he had like 100 and something strikeouts, which is career high. The difference he made, all he did was just get up on the plate. Right, he's right on top it was of the just, plate. He's yeah. right on top of it. He knows he can turn on the inside stuff. Right. And if you throw it away, I'm able to either slap it to left field well, I can even turn on that because I'm so far up on the plate. My right. barrel is willing, is able, right, to still to turn on that it. ball away. Exactly. So, fingers crossed because I like both guys, and I really want to see Gallo just become that superstar that he was supposed to be. Yeah, and I think he's a great player now for today's age, but I think he'd just be so much better if he had the right approach. But it's, it's but it's his again, <laughs> but again, he's hitting 40 home runs. Right, that's his putting approach. up 100 RBI. So what a not gonna... But again, it's just different eras and just approaches you like. It would just be if you're the hitting coach, you're going to prefer Rizzo's approach maybe than Gallo's. Yes, exactly. That's where we're going to leave it right there. Last trade for these Cubs. Craig Kimbrell moseys on down to the south side, creating a heck of a tandem. Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell on the White Sox. Right. It's basically a five-inning baseball game now against the White Sox as if they weren't tough enough to beat before. And it's not that their starters are bad either. No. No. Giolito and Lance Lynn have been good. Yeah, Dylan Cease has pitched well. Carlos Rodon's pitched well. Yep. So now you've added all that in there, and you still have Garrett Crochet from the left side. You have Michael Kopech now. He's become this impact reliever sort of swingman guy that they have. Mm-hmm. And now you've added, you know, Kimbrell to go with Hendrick. That that team's going to be – that to me is the, okay, Dodgers, look out. That's the team to watch I to me. Again, I've said it beforehand. White Sox, Dodgers was my – Official prediction at the beginning of the season. That's what I wanted to see in the World Series. You're looking good. And I think I'm getting real close to it. Um, the thing for me, I felt, I thought it was obviously heck of a pickup, right? Hell of a pickup. You're shortening the game. You're getting two of the most elite closers you have in the league right now in Hendricks and Kimbrough. I felt maybe the Madrigal part of the trade was a little bit much. Well, no, because you got to think of it this way. The White Sox don't really have a lot in their farm system. Mm-hmm. If you go, who are my White Sox prospects that's really going to, you know, really get you. Wow, in- you. Right. Yeah. It's going to get you interested if you're the Cubs in terms of making a Craig Kimbrell deal, especially in the same city. Who's that guy? They don't have that guy. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, fair play to the White Sox to go, okay, well, how about our like opening day second baseman? Yeah, he's hurt now with the hamstring. He'll be back next season. Maybe he can help you. And just send him over there because I do think he'll end up being the Cubs' second baseman. Basically, let's talk about even moving him over. Yeah, maybe moving him over to short. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he was having a great season this year too. Yeah, he was hitting pretty well. He was I hitting mean, very well up yeah. in the majors. Um, right. He was supposed to be a glove first guy, and the bat was coming along for. Well, him. he's always had a contact guy because even mm-hmm. when he was in college, he was a he could just you couldn't strike him out. He could hit the ball. He would yeah. get hits. So. You know, the, the question with him was, was the, was the bat going to get kind of knocked out of his hand as he faced, you know, more advanced pitching? But it hasn't been the case. Nope. Um, win, 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 right? I think that, it's a win, win, definitely for, a win-win for, for, for both me. clubs. Yeah, I agree. Um, should we just hit the big blockbuster? Let's go for it. Let's hit the big blockbuster. Nationals trade the whole damn team on that day, <laughs> but the big blockbuster there is Max Scherzer moves over the Dodgers, and he's taking a friend with him. Trey Turner, two all-stars, Cy Young candidate, Cy Young, three Cy Youngs. That's the three-time winner. Right. Um, Turner is having a 
Yeah, he's an all-star. Great also. year, all-star. Yeah. I think he has a couple silver sluggers. I think right. he's led the league in batting average. And this will reignite our debate from however many years ago about who's better, Trey Turner or Corey Seager. It's going to definitely get into that. Um, just huge move, right? Just absolutely this, big move. Looks like almost like you're playing MLB The Show and you created a team. Right. This would be hard to do on MLB The Show if you're playing on your PlayStation and say, okay, I'm going to put this team together without the – Accept all trades. Yeah, without accept all <laughs> trades and taking the salary cap off. That, right. This was a hell of a move. Yeah, well, this is the Dodgers being serious about winning the World Series and making it where it's going to be really, really hard for somebody to beat them. Oh, I think the best, not the best part, but another little gem to this trade. Jeff Passan had reported on trade deadline day. Scherzer was heading down to, he San was going Diego. to San Diego. They thought they had the that man. it was in place and it's official and so on and so forth. But then you kind of didn't hear anything else about it. You didn't hear no packages. You didn't hear he's on the way. He got pulled from his start. Nothing. Right. It's yeah. just like died after that. Well, he had pitched Thursday, so there was that. So you know, because he was having the triceps issue, so right. he wanted to show he was healthy. Right. But yeah, you thought you had the deal. And fair play to the Dodgers. They took a kind of a page out of the old Yankees playbook in terms of player acquisition, mm-hmm. where they let the Yankees would let someone else kind of set the price and then would just beat it. And then the, they would get the player they wanted. So in this case, the Dodgers let the Padres set the price and whatever prospects they were going to be. And okay, so you said you're going to give them whatever. We may never know. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers. Oh, just, I hope it comes out. I really want to know. I'm curious, too, because, I mean, the Padres do have prospects to offer, but if, let's just say, again, he's injured, but he still projects to be a, a very good Major League player. Let's say it's C.J. Abrams, the Padres' top positional prospect, who happens to be a shortstop, which, again, in San Diego, you probably don't have a future at that position. You don't need it, yeah. So if Washington says, okay, well, we want to deal around C.J. Abrams and something else. Okay, well, Abrams is hurt, and there's this and that. Okay, so you can't really use them until 2022. All right, well, that's a good deal. We, we think we might have something here. But again, the Dodgers, the Nationals are going to take the Dodgers' call. Yeah. The Dodgers just say, before you make any deals, call us back. Let us get the last offer. Just, just, just call us back. And any smart person in business is definitely going to call that other potential, quote, buyer mm-hmm. back. So they did. And all of a sudden, it became Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz. Like, wait a minute. These are like big league ready. One guy's in the big leagues pitch for you the week, week before. A couple days before, yeah. Right, and the other guy's you know tearing it up in AAA. He's ready to play now. now. He's just being blocked by another right. all-star he's kind of by caliber player. Yeah, he's blocked by an all-star. So the Nationals said, yeah. And then they, we'll throw in a couple more guys. Sure, a couple lower level, more your lottery pick type, yeah. type players. Donovan Casey. Yeah, it was Casey. And, I don't and know the um, fourth guy. Pitcher. I can't remember his name right now. But the point being is it's not a top 100, top 10. You know, the Dodgers are going to go, oh, no, our farm system is grossly depleted. How are we going to replace it? That's not the case. No. Uh, well, they did give up one and two. They're number one and two. Right. In Ruiz and uh, Josiah Gray. Right. It's their one and two. However, they're one and two versus somebody else's one and two. Because, again, the Dodgers are in a different place here. Mm-hmm. They're not playing for we're building for 2024. Yeah, no. No, it's we're we're building for tomorrow, literally. right? And like giving literally up, tomorrow, yeah. yeah. And again, <laughs> and again, their number one and two. What position do these players have on their roster now and possibly going forward? Where was Kiebert Ruiz gonna play on the Dodgers next year? Not a damn place in Triple A in Oklahoma. He's gonna be back in Oklahoma City or maybe replacing Austin Barnes as a backup. Mm-hmm. 
great. Well, now you're wasting the value of that player. Yep. Uh, where is Josiah Gray going to be on the Dodgers? Where is he fitting into that rotation? This year, he would have worked. Next year, no place. Right. So, again, his future long-term, he's maybe a mid-to-back-end starter for you, maybe. Or I can flip those two guys, so maybe backups or back-end starters for an all-star with another year under contract with the team mm-hmm. and a three-time Cy Young Award winner. I'll do that every day. Oh, I think – I know we said the Chicago deal was a win-win. You don't really see a lot of win-wins like this, but this one is like 100% win-win. Well, this is win for the Dodgers. Well, I, I would say as, as of now, it's a win for the no, Nationals no, as well. No, I'll say this much. No, I'll say it's more of a win for the players uh-huh. more so than the Nationals. Okay, because you're going to get that opportunity. Yes, those are think, Josiah Gray, finally, he's going to be in the rotation. Yeah, I think he's slotted in right now at three, right, he, right? He's already made a start. He made a start. Um, I think he pitched pretty decent. I saw a couple home runs or something like that. Um, but... Right now, he slotted in behind Corbin. Yeah, he put him in behind like Corbin. Behind Strasburg and Corbin. Well, you put Joe Ross ahead of him. Strasburg out for the year. Yeah. But, but you don't Ross, have guys that are like 100% ahead of him other than those two. Right. You're in rebuild mode now, yeah. basically, anyway. You're just admitting it if you're the Nationals. But, I mean, again, now you get a chance. Ruiz, come on up, man. Here's your chance. You can go catch yep. now, and you know we can just go. So it's fair to the players. It gives them a better opportunity. And this is something I know we had mentioned, I think, after we recorded last week. Also leaves them in a good place with the Dodgers. Oh, great place. I was Because you're being fair to next. the players. Well, one, you're being fair to the players. Player, other people see that. Right. They're going to like it and more willing to sign with you. But you also locked up some security here for next year. Yes. If Corey Seager says, sorry, I want the $300 million, and Dodgers like, I can't do that. Right. I hope nothing but the best for you. And he walks. You got an all-star already lined up right here, ready to go play shortstop next year. Yep. And... I know you and, I have, you and I have had this debate a couple of times. Corey Seager, Trey Turner, they're both top three pros, uh, prospects, top three shortstops, in my opinion, in the whole league. In the National League, they're definitely top five, no matter how you want No matter to, where you put yeah, them, yeah, top five in the yeah, whole league. Right. Um, nationally, yeah, nationally, probably three, sure, you yeah. put Lindor, maybe. Yeah, Lindor. Lindor in that, is in that healthy, conversation. Right. Uh, sure, sure is there, um, Turner. And Seager. I can't put anybody else above them right now. In the National League? In the National League. Who would you put above them? Oh, Tatis? Oh, yeah, Tatis. Well, (laughs) I need to see. Yeah, Tatis. Assuming health. Assuming assuming health health and production. I'm assuming the the best of these players. Yeah. So, assuming that, then, yeah, you have to consider, I think, Tatis is your one, if you're assuming. He's probably one, 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 and then, I think, two, honestly, is like 2A, 2B, 2C. Depends yeah, what you yeah, want. Yeah, really. You can kind of divide them up again, just as amongst the National League shortstops. So, am I saying, what about Carlos Correa or mm. whoever? We're not worried about that's American no, League. Yeah. I'm saying National League shortstops. Yeah. I wouldn't even put Correa in those guys. He's, he's, in, the, he's, he's in the up mix. there, yeah, but I don't think he's, I wouldn't he's in, he's say in the he's same 100% class. above any of those three. No, he's in the same class as they mm-hmm. are. Just like Baez is in the same class as they are. They're yes. in that same class of player. Mm-hmm. It's that rung below. I mean, Tatis to me is the top rung. These guys are the And those guys are right underneath it. But locking up the security to me, big. I hope it doesn't signal he's gone. As you know, I'm a Corey Seager stan. I love him. I everything about him I love other than his he backhands everything. Other than that, I love him to death. So hopefully he stays. Little update on it. Scherzer's made made his debut today. Okay. Gave up a home run in the first inning to Michael Brantley, the second pace uh, batter he faced. However, I believe the Dodgers are up five one right now. Mookie Betts said we're not losing again. Here's two home runs. Oh, that'll yeah, okay, I'll, that'll, I'll hear that'll play. It. Yeah, I'll hear about it later. Yeah. You'll hear about it. I'm for sure going to tell you again when I see you later this week. 
So don't worry. And plus, I got my dear old mom, my mom. Oh, who's you got your family who are all Dodger fans yeah, as well. And she's a Mookie Betts fan. So that's her guy. Wonderful. I love that. Enough about one of the teams I like. Let's go over to, we're staying with the Nationals. Schwarber headed to the Red, uh, Red Sox. Yep. Um, I think it's a pretty good move right there. It's an interesting move. I don't know if that's the move Boston needed to make. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they needed to make it. But I think it's a overall going to help them in the end. It should, but my question is, you're making that move, and again, it doesn't address any of like your kind of questionable starting pitching. Yeah, that was their big... I, to me, I feel like uh, the asking price for these pitchers was like astronomical. It wasn't, it wasn't, because again, like the Dodgers gave up for what they got for Scherzer, wasn't... You would have made that deal. Uh, yeah, if, it, it, yeah. Seriously, if I'd have said to this deal to you in February, I said, you're going to get Trey Turner. You said, okay. No, yeah. Turner is definitely the sweetener on that deal. Yeah, but I said, if I'm going to give you Josiah Gray and yeah. Gilbert Ruiz. And, and you're going to give me those two guys? Yeah, you're going to take it all day. I said, just Trey Turner by himself. Oh, just Trey Turner. Yeah. The Dodgers would go, oh, okay. All-star yeah, first. Yeah. They probably make the deal. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. The price for Scherzer wasn't astronomical, but also again, Scherzer had a lot of leverage because he has a, a 10-5 the 10-5, guy. Yeah. yeah, the 10-5 rules. But the Jose Barrios trade, you know, with uh, the the Twins and the Blue Jays, which I know we'll get to. Yeah, here that was my minute. next one. I was kind of leading it that way. Yeah, which we'll get to. Which that deal was kind of out there because the Twins didn't want to trade Barrios. That that wasn't what they were looking to do. So they said, okay, well, we got to be blown out the water to make this deal. So. Okay. Blue Jay said, no Blue problem. Jay said, I got this for you. Um, Schwarber over there. Good idea. I think. Okay. Idea. So back to Schwarber. The close out, the close out of Schwarber. Right I think it's a it's a decent player. I'm questioning what they're getting because he was hot in June before he got hurt. Got hurt, and I don't think he came back yet. Yeah, he hasn't really come back, and you haven't and seen him do anything. They're working on him at first right now. Which they've had poor first base production. So okay, you it's a question try. mark. Yeah, but that's where I think again. I'd said with the Olympics, Casas go play first. Mm-hmm. Do that, but. We'll see. I mean, I just don't think that's the deal that's going to get the Red Sox kind of over the hump and they're going to get them away from the Rays or make sure the Yankees don't catch them. I don't think Schwarber's the, the guy. The guy. I, that's fair enough. I just feel like it's just another good bat to add to that lineup. Yeah, it is. I mean, you always um, want more good bats. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. You know. Just you get to play around with the lineup a little bit more. Yeah. Another it, tool for Cora. Yeah. And even if you left him in the outfield, I mean, the the, the, the green monster is there, so his defense is protects isn't him that a bit. Bad. Yeah. You probably just slide out. You take Hen- Ren- uh, Renfro out the lineup. You slide Verdugo. Well, you move Renfro over because Renfro can throw. That's right. DH him. I don't think yeah. they have a DH, anyways. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Oh, they have uh, JD Mark. Damn. You're going to have to play that first. Yeah, you might have to, yeah. Or start or Renfro's going to have to platoon. Yeah, I could see that too. I think that, that's he's, more he's that done deal. that before. Yeah. Jose Barrios traded for what seemed like a lot. It is. In terms, um, of, in terms of what the status the status the, of the prospects, it's a lot. The guy that I've been kind of watching since the Vanderbilt days, Austin Martin, shortstop, if I'm not mistaken, at yeah. Vanderbilt. They select him. You have... Um, Bo Bouchette already at short. Mm-hmm. Let's play you in center. You got the good enough tools to play center field. He had a little bit. I thought that was their guy. Well, I think with Martin, the the thing is that they threw him in double A, which to me kind of was a little bit unfair to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's we'll have to see kind of next year. Can he really play? Because this year I mean, he's okay, but he hasn't really taken off. I think you kind of they were a little bit too aggressive in putting him in double A. So this year he's actually hitting 281 with a 424 on base, 
43 runs in 55 games at double A. Right. So it's not the, the 281 is not terrible. No, it's not terrible. But again, you want that guy hitting, you know, 320 in double yeah, A. Usually your top guys are. <laughs> right. Wa- Although, like, Wander Franco hitting 320 right. throughout the whole major, minor league system. Right. That's what you want to see out of mm-hmm. your top guys. So that's what I'm saying. But, again, he got placed there. They they drafted him and threw him into double-A with no minor leagues last year. So it's a really aggressive assignment. Yeah. So there is something to be said for that. And I think you're going to probably have them, you know, as you get them now, you know, with the Twins, you're going to say, okay, you're going to be in double-A next year to start the year. We're telling you now. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to be. And then maybe you can graduate to the big leagues by the end of next year, but we're going to have you repeat it just to show that you can really. You are ready for this. We want to see you dominate this level. Yes. Yes. I like that. Um, Very interesting move for the Indian side of, not Indians, twin side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Because Byron Buxton possible trade piece right now, right? He was. Well, he was this time, didn't get moved, but I mean, in the off season. Oh, he's not coming back. There's no way. So you kind of maybe have your replacement. In a couple of years, ready for him. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, so that's that's what I thought was a good idea or a good part, good move on their part. Yeah, it's a what good, I'm trying to look, say. Look, the Twins did well for this deal for, again, a player you weren't looking to trade because, I mean, again, I don't think he's going to be a star because, you know, again, me, Met person, because Simeon Woods Richardson, the other, pit, the other player in the next, deal, yeah. he was formerly with the Mets. The Mets drafted him. He was traded to Toronto in the Marcus Stroman deal. Mm-hmm. So I've had my eye on him. I know who he is. You know, he's a tall right-hander from Texas. You know, the velocity's kind of ticked down just a little bit as he's been a professional, but he has pitchability, but he's more of a mid-to-back-of-the-rotation type guy. So right now he is pitching for USA, Team yeah. USA in mm-hmm. the Olympics. Um, prior to that, in 11 starts at uh, AA, he was playing with Martin. Right. 2-4 and four record. The five seventy six ERA. Yeah, but what's like the strikeouts per nine? That's the stuff you got to look at with them. Unfortunately, it doesn't show me. Oh, yeah, because you can I didn't have, have some, that information. I just wanted to throw that part out. Yeah, because you can have some raggedy minor league teams and your record look crazy, but you're actually pitching really well, or you're doing what they're asking you to do. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you, hey, I need you to work on your fastball command, so I'm throwing more fastballs than I otherwise would, mm-hmm. and I'm getting hit around a bit because of it. But no, he projects to be like I said about a mid rotation to maybe back of the rotation type starter. So. He has potential for more, so that could be their Barrios-type replacement. That gives you the arm to replace him. And if you move Buxton in the winter, you've acquired Martin to replace him. So you can say, look, man, we're not just completely blowing it up, but also kind of you have to look at, like, similar to what the Padres are doing, are you beating the White Sox in the Central? If not... No, the answer was no there. Um, more of a surprise that Buxton and Donaldson didn't get moved rather than... Not su- and being moved. Well, not surprising team. because Buxton didn't say no to the extension until like right before the deadline. So you mm-hmm. really didn't have a, a chance a to kind of really to kind of kind of call around and really make your best deal. Mm-hmm. And then with Donaldson, just the way the contract is, it was that's be tough to hard. Anyways. The only way you're moving Donaldson is to basically package him with Barrios. And again, me again, the Mets keep coming up. They called about that because the Mets wanted a third baseman. Here's mm-hmm. Donaldson. Well, here's the start of Barrios. But the prospects didn't match up, so that deal wasn't going to happen. So Donaldson not moving with the way that contract is, it's not surprising to me. Not surprising. All right. And um, I know I missed it earlier, but the White Sox did as Cesar Hernandez. Yeah. Kind of fill Madrigal's spot there yeah, for the year. A warm body. He's, exactly. a, he's like a basically, if you looked, he's like league average. It's just a guy to play second base that they needed, right? Yeah, but I'm saying he's league average, but also there's benefit in league average in as much as he's not hurting you. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's not helping you. No, but it's just, okay, you hit like eighth, ninth, just sit there, be league average guy. Yeah. Um, on those Nationals, they had one more move. 
closer, Brad Hand, yep. moved up to Toronto. What do you think? It's a good deal for Toronto because, again, their bullpen is – their pitching period has been questionable. That was the thing that we said they really need to focus right. on, right? They go out there, get the starter, get a guy in the back end They need both, to help. pitching. And that, they yeah, succeeded. Yeah, because they can score with anybody. I mean, they're the best – like, basically best offense in the league, but – that pitching staff, especially that bullpen, it's questionable. You could be up five to nothing in the eighth inning and you don't feel great. I agree. I agree. A lot of minor deals kind of happen from here on out. Right. Uh, Gibson and uh, Ian Kennedy moved to the Phillies. That was probably the next biggest move. That one has a chance to be sneaky valuable in as much as, you know, the, the Phillies are still hanging around in the division. They're in there, yeah. And that gives you another quality starter to kind of help. The know, issue keep- that they were talking about, his last three starts, five. Yeah, he has like five seventy ERA. Kind of went back to being Kyle Gibson the last few. Yeah, starts. Um, but their thought process here is usually when a pitcher moves from AL to the NL, numbers look a little bit better. Right, not as much pressure to be a one guy. You're kind of slotting behind Eflin. Well, he's like Nola. Well, you got Wheeler. Wheeler. Yeah, so he's so he's four. He's four or five over there. Well, he's probably three. I'd say he's three. I put him ahead of Eflin. Okay, so you have him. The main part is. You're not the guy. No, he's not the guy. So he you, definitely isn't. Yeah, nobody's just focused on their game plan on you. No. It's more, you have an actual rotation kind of going. Right. So he might thrive in that three. Right. That yeah, three I think role. he'll be good there. And again, the National League East isn't a bunch of world beaters. No. So I think he has a chance to play up there also in the division. Philly's six and a half out right now, as of today. Six and a half out of what? First, for the East. I think they're closer. That was for the wild card. That's six and a half behind the Padres. They are one and a half out of, out of exactly. the East. Exactly. There it is. I was like, I remember this being so much tighter. I'm looking at it. I, no. I misread. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a game and a half out. So good yeah, move. Right. Ian Kennedy helps. He's having a great season yeah, down it's, in it's, Texas. Yeah, their bullpen, you know. The, the bullpen's been atrocious. Yes. For years. Yeah. So I think, I feel like ever since the Brad Lidge days, they haven't really been that good. Even when they had, um, who's after him? Um, Let's see, they had, oh. they, had, they had Madsen closing games. Yeah, right. Madsen closed after him, but even then yeah. it was like a little iffy. Yeah. And after that, they went like David Robertson. And right. It just didn't pan out. No. So I thought, like you said, sneaky move. Sneaky good move to me. Yes. Probably the last big deal here. A lot of little things happen. Uh, the Cardinals, some great pitchers 10 years ago. Yeah, John and Lester. Jay Happ and John <laughs> Lester. Um, we don't have to get into that. Just yay or nay on it. Um, It's a... Uh, Kind of questionable, right? No, it's a it's a yay for me in as much as they're not really in it. So why give up a bunch of stuff to and for a race you're probably not going to win? But you can try. You know, don't just completely throw up the white flag and do nothing. But mm-hmm. I don't think either one of those guys is going to you know get them catching the Brewers. No, I don't think so either. I believe they are pretty far out. They are ten and a half out of the Brewers. Right, but okay. where? But in the wild card, seven. Right. So you know, again, you're. With a pulse, but it's kind of it's, faint. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you're on live support over there. Um, Yankees got Andrew Heaney. Just to me, he's just a guy that they need to throw. Oh, he threw, and the balls kept going. And over they kept the fence. going. Normally, <laughs> they kind of joke if the Yankees want to win a title, you need left-handed bombs, uh, left-handed hitters, and yeah. you need left-handed pitchers. Right. They got the left-handed pitcher, just maybe not the right one. Yeah, he. He's Haney. He's yeah, I think they're Haney. just hoping maybe a change of scenery gets better. I think he had a good year or two with the Angels in the beginning, and then it kind of just fell off the table. And he's just a kind of mediocre mid-back-of-the-rotation and a good rotation starter. On the Angels, he was like way higher in the rotation. Yes, than he should have been. been. I agree. Um, Brewers got Bud Norris. That's, or is it Bud Norris or Daniel Morris? Daniel. 
Daniel Norris, right? Um, just another arm, right? It's just another arm in the bullpen because, again, you want to kind of solidify it. That's all you're doing. Um, kind of last moves that happened on the deadline. The Braves decided to get a brand new outfield. Right. Not a great outfield, but a no. brand new one. Right. Um, they picked up, they reacquired Adam Duvall. Right. They've had him, him like back. 20 right. times. Right. They got Jorge Soler, who two years ago led the league in home well, runs. He was good. He was good at one point, um, having a little bit of a down year, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Rosario didn't get the tender from the Twins. Right. Cleveland decided to pick him up. Cleveland said, never mind. Bad decision. Yep, thank you. Um, they get instead panda, the Panda right, and Pablo Sandoval back in Cleveland. I don't think he's expected to stay there, though. No, he already got DFA. There it is. And um, that's pretty much they acquired Jock Peterson before we talked right. about, and they had picked up another outfielder I can't even remember right now. Is this just a move to stay in? Okay. Try to stay relevant for the year. Yeah, they're similar, they're similar to lucky. with the Cardinals. They're in the same kind of spot with the yeah. Cardinals where you're making these moves. You're not really giving away a lot to get these guys. And if you can kind of get a little hot. Maybe and they're only two and a half out. So right. it was just worth a shot. Right. If Rosario pops and plays like he did on the Twins. Right. Works out. If Jocktober is a real thing and he gets hot. Yeah, Solaire has a good Solaire know, six, figures seven out weeks how to hit home runs again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you could, you could do something. Again, of all the first place teams, the Mets are the most vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. That unfortunately, that's just the way. The oh, it is. It is what it for is. You. Um, because every other team has at least a handful of games. Tampa Bay is the closest. Well, it's not one. even the lead, but just the looking at the team. I'm just saying because I mean, if you're looking at who's the chasing pack, I mean the the Phillies are barely over 500. Mm -hmm. The Braves are hovering around 500 ish. You know, that's where they're, they're under. Yeah, they've been there all year. All year, yeah. So it doesn't take a lot to catch the Mets. Where if you look at what's the Rays' record, what are the Red Sox' records? You know, they're, they're a lot higher, yeah. Right, they're winning teams. Those are actual good baseball teams. Correct. Where I got my doubts about the Mets being an actual good baseball team. Correct. I would say the West, maybe uh, the top two teams over there. Well, Astros the, and the right. Yeah, and the, the A's. Yeah, the good Astros, teams. Yeah, where, those are actual good baseball teams. Yeah, I think that's it for our trade segment today. I think we hit every trade that, that made it that day. Like. Went through. Oh, he missed one of the big ones. I don't know if we talked about it. Dodgers got stud lefty. Oh, Danny, Danny Duffy. Duffy. Yes, that was the move they needed. Um, Actually, he's going to be useful to them. He's going to be in the Kentamaeta role, swing right. man. Yeah, the swing man, right. Um, where I think he's actually had some luck, if I'm not mistaken. He's done it before. Yeah, he's done it before. He did it on the Royals before, and the stuff plays up when he's doing it. Yeah. So maybe one of those under-the-radar sneaky moves that work out in the end. And the Dodgers move today could be a sneaky move that'll work out in the end. Ah, you didn't even let me get to that one. <laughs> Dodgers decided to get another Cy Young guy into the into the mix. He won a Cy Young maybe like 10 years ago again. You got to like your Cole Hamels. But Cole Hamels, <laughs> left-handed pitcher Cole Hamels agreed to a deal today for $1 million, yep. one year. Yep, with incentives based on starts. Yeah, so, so um, supposed to be ready in four weeks yeah. to make his Dodger debut. Dodgers wanted him a long time ago. Never happened. Right. I was pretty heartbroken about that. I really liked Cole Hamels back in the day. Hopefully, this guy can eat some innings. Well, they're not going to him, need him to do too much, but it does. That's about four or five starts, probably. Yeah, it's a few starts, and again, you're not relying on David Price anymore. Yeah. And you know, again, that way Duffy can do what you're asking him to do, kind of as a swing role. You're not going to need him necessarily in the rotation, but. The Hamels, even Duffy, and again, including David Price, it gives them guys that are veterans with starters experience coming mm -hmm. down and stretching a pennant race. These they guys know are, how to get it done. They know how to get it done. Exactly, and those are always big-time guys to have, especially in the locker room. Things aren't going that way. Things can change, guys. Don't worry. 
Right. Those are those voices that need to be in the clubhouse. Right. And who knows? Maybe Hamels comes back and looks like 2012 Hamels. Yeah, if he comes back to be Philly's Hamels for you for a month, hey. Absolutely great. This Brother on Baseball segment is brought to you by Symbol, the stock market for sports that allows you to trade your sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer a new way to invest and profit in your sports teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 6,000 early adapters who have started to profit off their sports knowledge. Visit www.symbol.com or visit the link in the description at Sports Bums. Create a free account when you deposit. Use the promo code SPORTSBUMS for a free $10 deposit to help you build your portfolio. Last segment before we kind of get out of here. I believe you have some stuff to get off your chest. <laughs> I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it every time. Jamal is the author of Baseball. Brother on, on baseball. baseball. I'm sorry. Brother on Baseball, which you can find on sportsbums.com. He has a lot, a lot of great articles out there. Something this weekend really hurt him. I saw him the day it happened. I saw him literally when passing announced it's not going to work. It's not going through. Man was almost in tears in the corner. <laughs> um, it was just, he was just a heartbroken mess. Jamal, you want to kind of take us through your blog and let's get into this conversation. Okay. So this, this week's blog has to do with one of my big irritations with all of sports, but baseball, it's, it's, it's its own brand of unique irritation for me. It has to do with the draft. To me, sports drafts should not exist. They should not be a thing. And all it is, is just a suppressed wages in labor. And it's basically, as we Americans love our capitalism and freedom, it is socialism. That's what it is. So we are taking from the wealthy, the good teams, and we're giving to the needy, the bad ones, and we're just dispersing talent as we see it. So the draft isn't a good thing. And this particular draft, because of baseball and the way their rules work, uh, the Mets were able to draft a player, not sign the player, and have the 11th pick, so one pick worst in next year's draft. And they made no real attempt to sign the player. So the player's name is Kumar Rocker. He's a right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt University. Coming into the season, Kumar Rocker was projected to be the first overall selection in the draft. And he falls to the Mets at, at 10 in the draft. They take him. I was actually watching when it happened, and I was happy when it happened. It seemed like, wow, the Mets were actually doing something smart. But no. The Mets had to go do their Mets thing. And as I said in the article, the clown show never leaves Queens. So if one team's going to do something stupid, it's going to be the Mets. And in this case, they got in there. They just do a lot of stupid things if it helps. Yeah, but it, the Mets are their own special brand. <laughs> I couldn't continue. So they draft Rocker. They There was no pre-draft medical examination of the player, which that part I won't blame the Mets for. I will not because any top prospect in the draft won't have a medical exam. Why would I potentially hurt my own draft position? But if you're the team drafting, don't draft the player. If you're not 100% sold on what you're getting, don't pick him. Don't just select the player, then get in there and then go, oh, we're concerned about what we see with the medicals and then play this song and dance. Don't make a real official offer so you can try to get a draft pick next year. Because the Mets also in their draft strategy, had no contingency plan for not signing their first pick. So they picked a bunch of college senior players who really aren't that good. So they basically have wasted their 2021 draft now by not signing Kumar Rocker. You feel a little better? 
Oh no! Now it just brings it all back to the surface again. <laughs> I think it's a, it's the pick you had to make at that. It was at ten, right? It was the it was the tenth pick. It was the tenth pick on the surface. It was the pick you had to make. It was just too good of a talent not to take. Right, he's too well known. It was a talented player, but again, if you had questions about anything about the player, don't take him. Because I do know with Rocker, because he's been a thing in college baseball since 2019 when he was a freshman, mm-hmm. where he threw a no-hitter against Duke in the regionals. And, you know, he was throwing – then he was throwing like 97, 98 with a good slider. This year he's been mostly about 92 to 94, with, still with the good slider. But the fastball velocity is not what it was. So now people are theorizing that the guy's hurt. He didn't miss any starts. He didn't miss any time. Whereas Jack Leiter, his teammate, who went second overall – did miss starts, did miss time. And there was concern about lighters, say, durability. He's barely six feet tall. Rocker's a much larger, he looks like, I mean, a mountain of a man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's about 6'4", about a good 240-ish, give or take. He's a big dude. So you're concerned with, you know, his declining velocity, which I understand. But if that's a concern, don't pick him. Pick someone else. And if he gets hurt for someone else, okay, Mitch, you look brilliant. And if he doesn't, you can say as an organization, we didn't feel comfortable comfortable with his medicals because we never had anything on them. So we wanted to go with the guy we felt better about, but that's not what they did. Is there another guy there that you thought maybe should have been the 10th pick? Mm, I would have liked to have seen him take maybe, what's his name? I think Khalil Watson, the, the guy the Marlins took. Okay. Yeah, he's a high, he's a smaller physical person. He's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but that's, the Dodgers have a guy named Mookie Betts who I think a little guy can work out. I just so, feel like these are Met things, right? These well, are just Met things no, that happen. No, no, this, but this is clown show Met stuff because, again, they didn't offer the player a pick. Again, there have been draft picks who haven't signed before. That has happened. And it's not going to stop next no. year. No, unless they change something in the collective bargaining agreement, which, again, that'll be a topic for another day. Um, the way the system is set up, it's really set up to help the teams and gives the teams too many kind of safety nets and life rafts to help them make bad choices. And this is just another one where the Mets can say, okay, we're making a bad choice, so we're not sure, so we won't do anything, and we'll still get a pick next year. So imagine, again, if the NFL, the NBA, they don't have this rule. No. So imagine if you said, okay, we're drafting this guy, I don't know, let's say um, Cade Cunningham, the first pick of the NBA draft, and we go, we're not 100% sure about Cade Cunningham's knee, we don't know. We're not going to pick them, but we'll pick second next year if we don't pick them, if we don't sign them. It would be nice, right? Right. That would have been nice. Um, I did see that. I know we, we don't have too much time to get into it. At the C- next time they do the CBA, there's already kind of talks that maybe this draft will be revamped. They do need to revamp it because everything that's gone on in the draft and all the different iterations of the draft since 1965 have been to help the teams, protect the teams from themselves, mm-hmm. be it if you want to go back to, say, the 96 draft, okay, because there used to be a deadline by which if you didn't sign the players, then you've lost the right to the player. Okay, and so Scott Boris, also Rocker's advisor in this, but at that time there was a guy like Travis Lee, there was another guy named Bobby Say. They were the first-round picks, and they didn't sign by the deadline. And then uh, the team's argument was, is like, no, you didn't sign with us, therefore you just got to wait till next year's draft. And Boris took him to court and said, no, you didn't sign them by the deadline. They're now free agents. And the players won. So at the time, let's say like your top picks were going for about $2 million, $3 million each. These guys were signing for 6 and 10 
in terms of their their bonuses. Yeah. So they they, they, re, they got declared free agents. And so one signed with the Rays. Say Bobby Say went with the Rays. Like Travis Lee went with the Diamondbacks. They neither one ended up being a great player. That's why you don't know who I'm talking mm -hmm. about. But the 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 fact of the matter is that the league just thought, oh, okay, well we didn't sign you, therefore we you can't play for anybody. Yeah, so I they, did see a thought process where that was an idea. If you don't sign with your team, you become a free agent. Well, that used to be the rule. But I feel like that leads it into like a gray area where, from what I heard, Jack Leiter didn't want to be with the Rangers, right? He did not. If I just say, you gave me my $10 million, otherwise I'm not showing up to you, and you get to pick your destination, do you think that's too much player empowerment, or do you think that's something that's kind of fair right there? What's wrong with it? What is wrong with that compared to any other industry in the United States, other than sports, just mm -hmm. sports in general, something without a draft? So if I graduate head of my class from USC in medicine, you mean to tell me I have to work at Cedar sinai Hospital because they're the ones who offered me a job? No. I should be able to go to any which job. Mm -hmm. If I want to work at Loma Linda instead, fine. I'm working that's, for Loma Linda. Yep. Not, oh, nope, your rights are with Cedar sinai That's the only, that's place, the only place you can go. work. I kind of just brought it up because I know there's a lot of um, fans out there who kind of feel that – Teams maybe get taken advantage of in that, in a, or would be taken advantage of in that kind of situation. They wouldn't be because you have to think about it this way. Everybody says, "Oh, everybody would be a Dodger, a Yankee." Yeah, yeah we talked they, about that. Yeah, because they have the most money. However, that's not the case because there's only so many roster spots. Exactly. Yeah. And then also, I would be blocked potentially by a better player. So why wouldn't I want to be a Pittsburgh Pirate if I can be in the big leagues? Mm -hmm. I will go sign with them. This again, the draft started in 1965. There were other teams other than the Yankees. Prior to 1965, the Yankees didn't win the World Series every year. They won a lot of them, sure, but they didn't win them all. Mm -hmm. So there is room for guys to go to other places. And again, if my organization's not acting right, me as a free agent, I'm not going to sign there. So now that puts an onus on the organization to not have guys sleeping in hotel room floors or getting spreads that are just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches Ugh. and some powdered Gatorade and that's it. Yeah. Treat your players right or else you're not going to get these players in there. So I get why the owners don't want to do it, because they like getting away with that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But to me, it, it would be more fair to the players to allow them to go wherever they're going to go. Again, to, for them to go to a college, they picked it. It's not you live not, here, therefore you, you live must, here. You live not, in Southern California, you're going to UCLA. Yeah, it's not like UCLA that. offered you a scholarship, therefore you must go there. Mm -hmm. No, it's you have to treat the players right. The players go, I'm not going to UCLA. So why is... Baseball, why are we doing basketball, any different? Why, yeah, why is a why is a draft treating the players any differently to help some owner keep costs down? Because now that's the only team with whom I can negotiate. Mm -hmm. So now Kumar Rocker had until last Sunday to negotiate with the Mets. That's it. So now he can't sign with anybody. Well, he can. He can sign to play independent ball, or he can go overseas, or he can just kind of hang out until next year's draft. And it looks like he's going to be hanging out training. That's probably what he's going to do. And then I'll say he signs with like, you know, the Long Island Ducks or somebody a month before the draft to show that he's fine uh -huh. and then maybe try to get, you know, signed out of that. We'll have to wait and see. Remember, guys, you can catch the rest of that article and all of Jamal's wonderful thoughts there at um, sportsbums.com. All you have to do is find Brother on Baseball. I believe it's at the top of the website right now, yep. followed by our first episodes. That we just released. We all just want to say thank you for listening. Episode number four in the books. Make sure you guys find us literally anywhere podcasts are available. Find us on sportsbums.com. Jamal, any final thoughts? Yes, I feel better now. I'm not a little ball of hate. There we go. Jamal is no longer a little ball of hate. He's feeling good. He's ready. Like I said, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. Much love, everybody.